Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where usually we give you a lowdown on the week's aviation news. However, as it's New Year, we're doing something a little different. Today, as we approach the close of what has been one of the most difficult years in aviation, we take a look back at some of the key issues and concepts that have shaped 2020. We don't want it to be all doom and gloom though, so we'll be looking for some of the hidden positives to come out of this very difficult year. Stick with us as rather than counting down the 12 days of Christmas, we count down the 12 traits of 2020 that have made this year so very different. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I'm going to start this week by saying on the first day of Christmas, my pilot brought to me one ungrounded Boeing 737 MAX. Hooray! Um, (laughs) What a great end to the year for Boeing. Yeah, well, I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's nice to finally see the end of this story because so many people thought it was, it was, it became one of the jokes, you know, like it was, um, would Berlin Airport open first or would the 737 MAX be recertified? And, um, well, Berlin Airport did win, but, um, <laughs> only it's just. nice to see the, yeah, only just after a nine year delay. Um, but <laughs> it's nice to see the aircraft, um, is back in service, you know, it's, it's, had its problems but you know i would jump on it now and i know you're not super keen but um it's been back in service for like two weeks now and we've not seen any incidents Mm. um and i i genuinely believe it will stay that way um and i hope for everybody's sake that it will stay that way as well absolutely moving on on the second day of christmas my pilot brought to me two quad jets and an ungrounded 737 max (laughs) Um, so talking about quad jets it's another well this one's a bit of a sad one i know it was happy that um the 737 max was back in um back in business but the the quad jets really this has not been their year um we saw the uh, 747 um that's been getting on on a bit and a lot of airlines were already talking about getting rid of it um, but this year has been the the year when every airline's like, well, we've got ex- excess capacity, so what don't we need? We don't need our 747s. Um, so we've seen many airlines get rid of them. Qantas, KLM, uh, I think even Air Corsica, um, British Airways, Virgin. Yeah. Um, basically, if they had a 747, a lot of them have got rid of them. Um, thankfully, Lufthansa is still sticking by its um, fleet of 747-8s, and I think it will do for um, the coming time. But what they haven't been sticking by is their A380s, and um, at least half of their fleet, or sorry, six out of 14 of their A380s have been retired. They don't even know if they're going to ever fly the other A380s again. Um, Air France has got rid of all of its A380s. Um, Singapore Pontius Airlines has, has retired more forever, A380s. Hasn't it? Yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah. Highfly said goodbye last um, two weeks ago to their A380, um, and Dr. Peters is now trying to sell a bunch of A380s, um, <laughs> as we mentioned on a previous podcast uh, two weeks ago. So, yeah, it's I, I mean it's it, breaking from the two quad jets. I mean even the A340 has had a bad year, although that was already mm. kind of out the door at the start yeah. of 2020, so it's not as impacted. Um, but moving on again on the same sort of topic on <laughs> we're going to do this every yeah. time just yeah, uh, so I can hear you say number 12 <laughs> um, 
on the third day of Christmas, my pilot brought to me three BA retro jets, two quad jets, and an ungrounded 737 Max. <laughs> You're going to be singing it by <laughs> the end of this. I know it. I am. I am, possibly. <laughs> um, so on number three with the BA retro jets, um, last year, 2012, we saw... Uh, 2012? 2019? <laughs> God, my clock's slow. Um <laughs> We saw BA repaint three 747s in a retrojet livery to celebrate its 100th anniversary, uh, which in itself is contentious. Um, but they had BOAC, Nagus, and Landor. And um, obviously, BA uh, retired the 747s, as did um, a lot of others. But um, each of these three um 747s with the retro jets was saved. So one is now at Dunsfold as a film set. Uh, one is in St. Affan uh, where it will be preserved and another one's end up in Kemble. Um, but sort of doing the same thing that I did with number two um, on number three, um, there is a fourth one that got saved, which is the current Chatham Dockyard livery, but that's not a retro jet. So it's not in count, uh, included um, in the three. So it was very sad to see um, the 747 scrapped from um, the BA fleet because it's it's kind of synon it like Concorde was synonymous with um, BA. I would say that the 747 was pretty synonymous with them as well. I mean they've been operating this thing for the last 50 years out of Heathrow. They were one of the first customers. Um, it's just a shame they didn't subscribe to the Dash 8. But I feel think they I think it's probably a good thing that they didn't. Um, all in all, but it's a shame. Um, but you know, it's it's good to see that they've been saved because there was some real worry that um, that would just be that. And um, like all of the uh, Concords got saved. And I know you can't really easily save 32 uh, 747s because they take up a lot of space, but it's really nice to see that four have been saved, um, even though that's our third day of Christmas. <laughs> um, okay. So, are you ready? I am. <laughs> On the fourth day of Christmas, my pilot brought to me four unusual flights, three BA retro jets, two quad jets, and an ungrounded 737 MAX. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about um, unusual flights, um, which is definitely, I would say, a positive out of the negative year because, um, you know, we've seen some really, like, obviously the reasons they've operated have not been uh, necessarily great, but it's it's really great just to see um, a, how quickly airlines have been able to adapt to do these things. Um, and it's it's been great for spotters to see things um, where they wouldn't usually be. So, um, for example, two weeks ago, I got to see Qantas's um, 787 in Frankfurt um, on a repatriation flight. Um, but while Qantas was flying from down under, Lufthansa also flew to that part of the world. They flew an A380 and a 747 down to New Zealand, um, which is, I think, the first time they've ever flown to New Zealand, um, stopping via Bangkok. They had this huge mission. Um, they had crews in Bangkok, crews in Frankfurt, and they were flying from Frankfurt to Bangkok, swapping the crew, flying down to New Zealand. Um, swapping the crew, grabbing passengers, flying to Bangkok, swapping the crew, and then flying back to um, uh, back to Frankfurt. So it was really like an intense mission, but um, they managed to do it. Um, and they weren't the only um, Germans flying down under. Um, the German Air Force flew their brand new sparkling A3 A3 uh, A350 uh, down to Canberra nonstop in a sort of 13-hour flight, I think. Um, 
no, it's more than 13, because um, 13 isn't that long. Um, a very long flight um, down to Canberra, and they didn't stop there. They went on to uh, Papiti um, and then flew uh, back from sort of French Polynesia uh, nonstop to C uh, Cologne. So that was a really long leg. And my fourth unusual flight was just... Um, Right towards the start of the pandemic, we saw that wonderful image of three uh, British Airways 747s um, down in um, Havana. Tri I was going to say Hanover. Triple sevens, weren't they? Um, triple sevens, not 747s, yeah. yeah. Did I say something else? You did. You've got, oh. You're obsessed with the Queen, <laughs> Tom. Got, I am, I am. So we saw three 777s seven, seven uh, down in Havana. Um, on a repatriation mission. Um, they were collecting passengers from um, the HMS Braemar, I think not the HMS, that's a naval ship. Yeah, and R this, um, RMS. Cruise ship yeah, the, the cruise Braemar. ship anyway. RMS, that's it. Yeah. I think um, the Braemar, um, which had been turned away from all of these ports, including um, the country that the ship was registered in, and then um, <laughs> Cuba finally took it in. Um, and they flew back with British Airways. I think there was another separate flight for people who had positive um, COVID tests. Crazy. Yeah, exciting times. So let me have a go at mm. this, Tom. <laughs> on, the, on the fifth day of Christmas, my pilot gave to me five Praetor conversions, four unusual flights, three BA retrojets, two quad jets, and an ungrounded 737 Max. <laughs> did I get that right? I just couldn't resist adding yeah, the tune to this, it. <laughs> yeah, this I think is going to be our... Um, one of the best podcasts that we've done. Just no, I think we've so already fun. lost 90% of the listeners because they're like, what are they doing? Just shut up. <laughs> so five pretty conversions, if you're still here. Here. If you're uh, still right here. <laughs> so obviously there were a lot more than five Praetor conversions and we actually really hate that word mm. at Simple Flying. It's uh, passenger to cargo conversions. Uh, you know, and, uh, I really hated it. Yeah. But I, it's, it does sum it up, it now, doesn't you know? it? Like, yeah, I, it's kind of worked its way it. into the international lexicon. Yeah. On, which is uh, disappointing because we really still love tried it, though, not when to. We get, um, people, people emailing saying this isn't a word, and it's like, well, actually, we've intentionally said this. <laughs> so obviously, the the issue was that there was no belly hold space because flights had stopped, demand for cargo soared, and the price of cargo soared. So I've picked five to highlight it for our annual roundup. Um, but obviously, there were a lot more than this. One of the first we heard of was Finnair back in April, who converted two A350s hmm. to fly cargo between Europe and Asia. Um, this was mostly cargo on seats for the A350s, but in May, it actually removed seats from two of its A330s. And I think that was one of the first sort of seat removal proper conversions that we saw. Mm. Um, around the same time, Delta got permission from the FAA for cargo in cabin um, and was flying to Seoul and Shanghai on cargo only flights. Ethiopian is my yeah. third, which was another really big converter, um, despite having its own fleet of actual cargo aircraft, another six. 16 were converted to carry cargo. A lot of those were cargo mm. in cabin, um, but there were some seats that came out. And um, uh, my fourth one, I believe, <laughs> am I on four? Yeah, I'm on four. Yep, so um, on four. <laughs> one of my favourites was Iceland Air, purely because they supplied mm. us with some really haunting photos of how the process took place. And they converted their 767s and 
they took out all the seats and they had to kind of line them up in the hangar as if they were still on the plane. Mm. I guess so they could make sure they went back in the right place. But it was really haunting. It was like the whole cabin had just been sucked out and then spat out next to the aircraft. Um, but they converted yeah. three in total. And my final um, mention goes to Highfly for its one-of-a-kind A380 cargo conversion. So they um, sent them to Lufthansa. They sent their one and only A380 to Lufthansa Technic, who took out all the seats and converted it to carry cargo. But really, actually, it got very little use, which was a shame. I think it was fairly important. Hmm. I mean, um, it wasn't really being used anyway. No, I think it might have been a little bit useful for PPE because there was still quite a weight restriction on the upper deck. But uh, overall, it wasn't a huge success. <laughs> If straight away they'd been like the first people to offer this, I think it would have gone mental with bookings. But, you know, they yeah. were kind of riding the end of the Praetor train. Yeah, absolutely. But mm. it's funny because although the whole Praetor movement's been going on for, you know, about nine, ten months now, it's like it's not over mm. yet because Iberia launched their first in November. Air Canada said it's going to mm. be pressing ahead with a 767 conversion over the course of December. And Alaska Airlines flew mm. its first Praetor on December the 1st. So it's kind of a rolling movement mm. that's still ongoing and we may well see well into 2021. Um yeah, mm. so well, I mean, there we go. I'd give Five an honourable mention there yeah. to um, the sixth one um, would be Aristana, I guess, because they created a whole new cargo division just to uh, handle its 767 uh, Praetors. Um, but the real six, if anyone's still <laughs> listening to us, um, on the sixth day of Christmas, my pilot brought to me six aircraft graveyards, five Praetor conversions. <laughs> Um, four unusual flights, three BA retrojets, two quad jets, and an ungrounded 737 MAX. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to say um, quickly about aircraft graveyards is that, I mean, obviously for a long time we've known about uh, like Mojave and Roswell and Penal, but um, there's also been a lot that we never knew about before um, that have come to our attention, like Alice Springs, um, you know, like uh, and Tyrrell in Spain mm -hmm. and even Kemble in um, the UK, you yeah. know, like people kind of knew about them. But, you know, I, I've written about Tyrrell once before the crisis and um, must have written about them God knows how many times now. Um, it's it's like I could never have pinned it on a map before, but, but now it's now. like, yes, it's in that part of <laughs> yeah. East Spain. Um, and a lot of them, um, Alice Springs and Tyrell have been uh, taking A380s. So they've had them from Air France and uh, Singapore Airlines, mm -hmm. not respectively in the other order. Um, Tyrell's also had some BA747s and Kemble has taken a lot of BA747s. Um, you know, Mojave has lots of really old 747s. Um, it's just, it's definitely been a good year for if you're running uh, aircraft graveyards or storage <laughs> facilities. Yeah, um, if you've got a parking space, we'll have it. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, because this is the thing, you know, even when um, it shows it, when BA uh, shut down for 48 hours in 2019, they were parking like A380s in um, the San Francisco area. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of aircraft were put on night stops uh, abroad just because Heathrow doesn't have the capacity to store all the BA's fleet. No, and absolutely. If you suddenly magnify this over every airline and every aircraft um, and every airport, you know, it's just, it's um, not possible, which is why these... Um, these vast facilities. I mean, like over in Frankfurt, we're using runways to park aircraft. Yeah. Um, so... 
Yeah, it's um, it's been a good year if you're running an aircraft graveyard. But then uh, on the seventh day of Christmas, my pilot brought to me seven flights to nowhere, six aircraft graveyards, five Praetor conversions, <laughs> four unusual flights, three BA retrojets, two quad jets, and an ungrounded 737 MAX. Um, so... While 2020 was a great year for aircraft graveyards, it was also the year of the flight to nowhere. Yeah, um, never heard of this you know, concept like flights before. To nowhere, they've, well, they've kind of been around, you know, like there's been like the odd one. Uh, Qantas has been flying down over the Antarctic um, before and there was some like Northern Lights ones up here. Uh, but this year was when they really took off. And um, I think the biggest sort of um, flight to nowhere program that we've had uh, was ANA with their A380s, and once a month uh, at least they're flying uh, the A380 around Japan just uh, domestically. Um, it doesn't cost a load, but you've got to be in a lottery to get it. So because everyone wants to do it, it's not necessarily easy to manage. Um, but it's really nice that they're keeping these aircraft flying because you know there's no need for them to go to Hawaii, which is why they're not going to Hawaii, even though that's the only reason ANA has them. Um, yeah. And I mean, traveling um, internationally has become a real headache just because of all the travel restrictions. So they thought, why not just um, operate a domestic flight? And um, so they've been quite popular. Um, the second one I wanted yeah. to mention is um, it's not really a flight to nowhere, but it's a flight to nowhere. And that's um, EasyJet's flight from Berlin um, Tegel to Berlin Brandenburg. Um, I just wanted to give them a mention because, again, Berlin Brandenburg finally opened um, this year and they were the first airline to fly to it. Um, mm -hmm. um, Lufthansa also followed, but they didn't go from nowhere. They went from Munich. So I kind of counting the same city as a flight to nowhere, but um, it's not tenuous technically. Link. Tenuous um, link, Tom. <laughs> tenuous link, yeah. But um, Qantas did do a flight to nowhere, um, and that was a pretty epic flight to nowhere because with their 787 Dreamliner, they flew all the way up the coast of Australia um, and then turned left, flew to Ayers Rock, um, and then turned back to Sydney. And this mammoth flight took eight hours, um, and they didn't even get to go anywhere. Um <laughs> But then uh, they got a lot of good food on board, which leads me into my fourth flight to nowhere, which technically isn't a flight, but you wanted to give it an honourable mention, did, so I've included it. Um, <laughs> and that was um, Singapore Airlines's A380 restaurant. And they had initially planned to do A380 flights to nowhere, but they got a bit of a backlash from sort of environmental points of view. Um, so instead, they just invited everybody on the flight to sit down in the A380 and eat plain food, um, <laughs> which I would have loved to have done, but yeah, me too. not possible. Um, getting there would have been a hassle. Um, one f airline that did flights to nowhere with no passengers on was Ryanair with its ghost flights. And um, the majority of Ryanair's planes were grounded um, sort of very early, uh, like April, March um, and May. But a lot of airlines, when they grounded their aircraft, they covered up the engines, they parked them, unplugged the batteries, all this. Ryanair kept at least a good majority of its fleet in um, working order. So if yeah. they were needed, they were ready and the pilots were current. Um, so that saw a lot of Ryanair's flights just taking off, circling around and landing here, there. Uh, we had quite a few in Frankfurt. They were mm -hmm. in Stansted. You know, if there was a Ryanair plane, you probably had a flight to nowhere. Um 
Number six um, was High Fly's A380. We're back there again. Um, <laughs> and they did they did an interesting flight to nowhere. It was kind of a maintenance flight, but they flew south um, to the beach and flew very low over the Spanish beach, causing a bit <laughs> of remember. panic because the passengers, uh, well, not the passengers, the people on the beach weren't actually expecting this flight. Um, they thought it was crashing, and, didn't they? Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah they did. It was... Um, it ended without incident, but that was quite a fun one, just seeing these um, people running away from the beach. Um, and then finally, just to wrap up my seven flights to nowhere, um, Starlux, um, our favorite little startup in uh, Taiwan, um, has been operating a couple of flights to nowhere in their locale. Awesome. So that was the seventh day of Christmas. And on the eighth day of Christmas, my pilot brought to me eight HEPA filters, seven flights to nowhere, six aircraft graveyards, five Praetor conversions, <laughs> four unusual flights, three BA retrojets, two quad jets, and an ungrounded 737 MAX. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get to the end of this, Tom. It's just crazy. So I'm so looking forward to you doing number 12. <laughs> so eight HEPA filters. There are eight HEPA filters on a Boeing 777. And we probably didn't know that at the start of the year because what did we really know I about told you what a HEPA filter was. Exactly. What could we have known about aircraft cabin air and um, cleanliness of the cabin air and general stuff about how the air works? I think this year we've really um, learnt a lot about aircraft cleanliness and aircraft air circulation and dispelled a lot of the common myths about how, you know, you're all breathing in stale air and it's all going to be very contagious. Um, you know, we know now that aircraft cabin air is as clean as a hospital surgery because they use the same filter and in fact, the air's changed even more quickly than it is in a hospital surgery. So there's loads of interesting stats. Um, I mean, being wheeled out this year about HEPA filters and, and cabin air. For example, IATA said you're more likely to be struck by lightning than catch COVID on a flight. Airbus said that you're the equivalent of a six foot distance from your adjacent passenger when you're on the airplane and wearing a mask. Boeing said you'd need to fly for 45 hours or more to catch COVID, if you, even if you were sat next to an infected person. Um, However, there are still a lot of sceptics and you've got to understand that when all these facts and figures are being wheeled out by people with a vested interest in the industry, it's going to be um, maybe taken with a slight pinch of suspicion. But overall, I think, you know, this is this comes down to passengers knowing far more about aircraft and airlines really having to pick up their communications game, you know, not to mention their cleaning regime. Um, and I think, you know, in the future, we could be looking at airlines in a different way you know as, as loyalty becomes slightly less important maybe cleanliness will become the new influencer in our choice of which airlines we fly with so that was eight HEPA filters on a triple seven and I have to say that it varies from aircraft to aircraft and on a little one there might only be a couple but there we go that was number eight on the ninth day of Christmas my pilot brought to me Nine startup airlines, eight HEPA filters, seven flights to nowhere, six aircraft graveyards, five Praetor conversions, four unusual flights, three BA retrojets, two quad jets, and an ungrounded 737 MAX. Um, now, I have to say, we said nine startup airlines, but my goodness, there's been a lot, hasn't there, Tom? It's been insane. It's, yeah, it's, it's been crazy because it's been also the year of the startup airline, even though 
you'd think with there's no passengers, why are you starting up? Exactly. It's been a crazy year for startups. So um, I've just picked nine of my favourite ones um, to mention. So one we heard about quite recently was Gulliver, which is a Bulgarian airline that wants to fly A330s from Bulgaria to New York. Um, there is a new Norwegian startup with a digital first ethos that's calling itself Flyer. Flyer? F-L-Y-R. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, but let's go with Flyer. <laughs> and that's been founded by um, Eric Brathens of the um, Brathens family that run Bra and other um, Norwegian sort of Scandinavian airlines. Um, Pakistan's Air Seal got its first A320, so they're ready to go. Colombia's getting a new airline called Ultra Air. Um, Fly Coral Way wants to connect South Pacific Islands to each other. South Africa has seen the start of a new airline, which is called Lyft. Um, and that was the one that they got the passengers to name. So that's quite cool. Um, Brazilian bus company Itatapamarin, which I can't pronounce, <laughs> wants to launch Ita Airways. Um, Global Crossing, which is a US-based airline startup. They've placed an order for one A320 to operate Wetley's charters out of Miami. And of course, my favourite, Zip Air Tokyo took its first flights this year. So really, I mean, this is just the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to startup airlines. We probably could have easily put it in day 12 or even day 20. <laughs> but, you know, why start now? It seems a crazy time to start an airline in the middle of a pandemic. But, you know, if you look at it, if you take a step back, it's actually quite a good time because there's much lower competition. There's kind of an oversupply of aircraft. So there's a lot of cheap leases around. Um, and, you know, with the kind of legacy carriers really being a bit sluggish in jumping on the demand that does exist, it's there's there are some windows of opportunities for these airlines. So uh, it will be interesting to see who stands the test of time and who doesn't. Yeah, I mean, well, good luck to them, all of them, and fingers crossed for the fingers future. Fingers crossed, absolutely. And on the 10th day of Christmas, my pilot gave to me a $10 billion bailout, nine startup airlines, eight helper filters, seven flights to nowhere, six aircraft graveyards, uh, five Prater conversions, <laughs> four unusual flights, three BA retrojets, two quad jets, and one ungrounded 737 MAX. Uh, so the $10 billion bailout, I'm obviously referencing your local airline with this uh, particular figure, Tom. Mm. <laughs> so... Um, you mean um, a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. So, you know, traditionally, airlines have been very much against state aid. And it's been a, a case of yeah. even blocking Middle East airlines from accessing the US because they believe they get state aid. But this year, the tables have turned and everyone's been going cap in hand hmm. to their governments asking for some help. So obviously, the 10... Not everyone. Well, a lot of airlines, let's say, <laughs> the vast yeah. majority. So the $10 billion bailout was Lufthansa. Um, and this, it wasn't really a bailout. I mean, we're being a bit mean. We're acting like it's free money. But it was partly a loan and it included lots of strings, including Germany taking two seats on the board and a 20% stake in the airline. And they weren't alone. You know, there were some other really big figures floating around. So Air France, KLM in, in total got 8 billion of state-backed loans. Um, the UK was slightly more, uh, or should I say, less generous. Um, our coronavirus corporate financing facility or 
CCFF, it was only giving out a few hundred million at a time. So 760 million went to EasyJet and Ryanair, 383 million went to Wiz and BA. And all of these are loans. It's all stuff that's got to be paid back. Um, the United States were possibly the most generous in the world. They earmarked 25 billion in total grants, plus the same again in loans that could be applied for. Um, so combined with grants and loans, um, American Airlines got 5.8 billion, Delta 5.4 billion, United 5 billion, and Southwest Airlines 3.2 billion. But we've got to remember that a lot of this was payroll support. You know, it sounds like loads of money, but an awful lot of it was literally just to keep money going into employees' pockets. And I mean, with the con uh, restrictions that like the US ones had, you know, they were probably losing more money by taking the money because they had to keep um, employees uh, working and they had to keep flights operating even if they weren't packed. To the That's Britain. right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the issue with this is there's an awful lot of debt going forward. So there's a lot of stuff that has yeah. to be paid back in the future. And uh, it's great to see, it's, I think, government stepping up with the help where it's needed. Um, but, you know, any further help, <laughs> please just make it free money because they yeah. really can't afford to keep servicing all these debts. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if there's like a wave of airlines struggling in like maybe two, three, four, five years just because suddenly they've got to pay this all yeah, back. Yeah, I would say it's definitely going to have an impact and on ticket pricing at some point, although quite... I mean, even if they don't pay it, like if they can't pay it back, then what happens? Because then it is it must be it become free money at that point if they can't pay it back. <laughs> well, I don't think you can just choose not to pay something back because you can't afford it. So. No, but I mean, like if, if the airline literally doesn't have the money and goes out of business, yeah. you know, like they... There's only so much can get from selling its assets. Absolutely. And stuff. Well, anyway, let's try to keep it happy and uh, say that it's yes. really good to see governments valuing their airlines and putting their hands in their pockets, whether by means of debt or um, gift. <laughs> so, yeah, good, good mm. news all round. Um, and on the 11th day of Christmas, my pilot gave to me 11 unpaid CEOs, $10 billion bailout, nine startup airlines, eight HEPA filters, seven flights to nowhere, six aircraft graveyards, five Prater conversions. Four unusual flights, three BA retrojets, two quad jets, and an ungrounded 737 Max. <sighs> <laughs> so, a trend early in the pandemic was that airline CEOs were um, not taking salaries anymore. And I've picked 11 that went completely without their salary for 2020 um, in a bid to kind of show a bit of solidarity with their workers and leave a bit more money in the pot for the airlines. So we've got Tony Fernandez of Air Asia, Martin Gauss of Air Baltic, Kalin Rovanescu of Air, Air Canada, Brad Tilden of Alaska Airlines, Alex Cruz, former CEO of BA, Ed Bastian of Delta, Tim Clark at Emirates, Rohit Ramachandran of Jazeera, Alan Joyce of Qantas, Scott Kirby of United, and Doug Parker of American Airlines. So all of these guys took no salary at all in 2020. Um, I did want just to kind of point out that although it sounds like a big gesture and for some it really was, for others it wasn't so much. Um, so, for example, Doug Parker hasn't actually been paid for years. Um, years and years ago, he elected to be paid in equity awards only. So, stocks and shares um, and other CEOs similarly get a huge proportion of their remuneration from these sorts of transactions. So, although they've given up their salaries, they probably won't be coming away from this difficult year completely empty handedly. 
crazy. Um, but still, it's a really nice gesture. And I think it's really um, big of these CEOs to forego their salaries um, in lieu of the greater good. Um, so we come to day 12. And on the 12, 12th day of Christmas, 12 months of 2021 to hope. 11 unpaid CEOs, $10 billion bailout, nine startup airlines, eight HEPA filters, seven flights to nowhere, six aircraft graveyards, five pre-to-conversions, four unusual flights, three BA retrojets, two quad jets, and one ungrounded 737 MAX. <sighs> I'm glad that's over. So we wanted yeah, really explain it. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted really to finish on the hope of a brand new year around the corner. So uh, you know, there's lots of reasons to be hopeful for 2021 being better than this year. I mean, to be frank, it couldn't be much worse, mm. could it, for aviation? So you no. know, there's just days <laughs> to go until we wave goodbye to 2020 and look ahead to what the new year will bring. The vaccine is bringing so much hope to the industry. Um, we're not out of the woods yet. There is a difficult winter to get through. Um, but IATA is predicting we will see a bump caused by the vaccine. They're calling it a vaccine bump <laughs> by quarter four. So mm. by then, there should be kind of a big enough rollout of the vaccine that we will start to see passenger flights picking up again. We'll start to see demand picking up again. And some airlines could even finish the year in a cash positive position. And wouldn't that be great? Um but even mm. without the vaccine bump, I think there's been so much done, you know, so much testing is in place, so much mitigation is in place to stop the virus getting on planes, to stop it being brought into airports. I think we're going to have a much better summer next year. And I think by this time next mm. year, we'll be looking forward to a cracking 2022. So that was our wrap up of 12 months of 2020 and all the weird and wonderful things that, that made this year so very unusual. <laughs> yeah. Let's see so, what we can get next year. <laughs> yeah. We'll look forward to doing a much more, even more positive podcast next year. And uh, hmm. maybe maybe not the 12, 12 traits of 2021, because that was just exhausting, Tom, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it for all of our podcasts for the year 2020. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed it. And please continue listening to us in 2021 and send us your feedback, suggestions, ideas, and anything you like at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.